One of the issues we have as people on a spiritual path living in a religious country instead of a spiritual country is how much to share. This also has to do with being a wounded person and figuring out when you're oversharing, when you're sharing because someone really needs to hear this, even though right now it's going to freak them out. And how do you set boundaries with all of this? How do you protect yourself and yet not become so insular that you have a hard time living your life or you pummel yourself with shame because you're doing things that you're, you're ashamed of <clears throat> thinking, well, if I'm spiritual, I'm spiritual all the time. And this is how I need to behave all the time. So if I go out with my friends drinking, this is wrong. Or if I have a quickie with someone I barely know, this is wrong. These are good questions. They're especially good questions because cult leaders typically lie about everything. <laughs> and they also will present and they will hide and be secretive while presenting. And they purport to live a spiritual life all the time while doing terrible things behind closed doors. So we don't want to become cult leaders. That's someone else's podcast, not mine. One of the things I've done in the past, and I still do it, is I partition. I have horsey riding friends. I have foodie friends. I have go to a concert friends. I have meditation friends, even if they're not really regular meditators, but they're willing to do things that are quote, spiritual, for fun. And I have some bird rescue friends. I have dog lover friends, etc. With all of this, I don't really hide who I am, but I also don't bring up a lot of things. I recently had a young woman um, hanging around helping, and uh, she's big into Jesus and her church, which I just recently find, found out is her newest fad, so it's not necessarily going to last forever. Um, and the conversation was constantly turning to Jesus and the Bible, and I set some boundaries with her saying, you know, this really isn't my thing, and I don't want to be having these discussions with it, and if you help me out rescuing birds, you can't hit people up with church literature. That's blindsiding them and it's not appropriate. And it's going to affect my work with bird rescue. And her response was to stop having any relationship with me at all, which is totally fine. And that's a risk that we always take with setting boundaries is somebody will get personally affronted, etc., and uh, end the relationship that happens. So saying that to her is like people saying to me, you know, I don't want to hear your spiritual shit. I'm not interested in it. It's boring. I don't like it. I like you, but, you know, I'm not into that. And there is zip wrong with that. But you don't want to become a fanatic about your path. 
and you don't want to proselytize. And I know some people um, have accused me of policing their life. Now, this is a good thing to talk about because if you're working with someone as a teacher, for example, there was a woman who used to come here, was a professor, and she would take students to Europe for an internship. So she'd travel with them and she would stay in hotels with them and take them all around and they'd go to conferences, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, she's not going to not say things about drinking or behaviors or standards because she is traveling with them as a professor and they are students. And while they're very friendly and spending a lot of time together, they're not friends. And while she's in her 60s, they're in their 20s. So um, if someone feels policed by someone they're studying with, they should not study with that person. That's the reaction of a rebellious teenager to somebody who has more knowledge than them, has some wisdom, etc. Because policing implies enforcement, meaning that not only might I say something, but if you don't do it, you are punished. And yes, in serious boundary violations, such as I had a young man who I put in a leadership position for the second time, uh, coming on to and eventually sleeping with women in the group, using his leadership position as a kind of influencer. So yeah, that was policing. I asked for boundaries to be set. Boundaries were agreed and then reneged, violated, and I delivered consequences to that because that um, threatened the safety of my students to have a person who was acting at that moment like a sexual predator, trying to get girls to join his group, trying to get women who studied with me to like him and want to be with him, especially sexually. So that turned into policing. Not that I caused it, but I did carry it out, meaning this person didn't stop and it got dangerous. But if somebody you study with, like if you're traveling with a professor from a university, you're not traveling with them to have a good time. You're traveling with them for an intensive so that you can learn more, not only about the world you're going into and studying, but how to carry yourself, how to react, how to be a professional, how to be healthier. It's a giant mentorship to be able to travel with a professor from a university or to do an internship with them. So for those people who uh, react to authority figures with condemnations of being controlled, I would say time to go back and do some childhood work. This goes back again to partitioning, meaning when I hang out with a teacher, I am a little bit different because they are my teacher and yes, they're my friend, but they're my friend teacher. I don't know how else to describe it. They're not just, hey, my friend. Doesn't mean I'm phony. It means I bring out the best part of myself. And while I may refer to other parts of myself that are not as desirable or not in great shape, and I'll refer to that for the purposes of being transparent with my teacher so I can learn more and feel completely accepted. 
I would not, for example, show up at a teacher's house with a six-pack of beer and expect that to go down as a really fun time. Partitioning is not about hiding. It's not about lying. It is recognizing that until you get into alignment, you might have a lot of different parts of yourself. And after you get into alignment, you might have a lot of different parts of yourself. Meaning, let's say that you are basically in a spiritual path full time. That's, that is really ultimately who you are. Then when you're in the world, in your day job, for example, you still cannot just talk about this material, particularly if you live in an area like I live in with right-wing fundamentalist Christians who will, you know, claim that you're doing the devil's work for doing anything but going to their church. But it might mean that you put some of your old friends on notice that you're not drinking anymore and you're not doing weed anymore and you're not snorting cocaine anymore and other things like that. There's my phone interrupting me. How rude. (laughs) So as you get into alignment, you will change your partitions. If you are, for example, on a mission, so to speak, in other words, let's say uh, a lot of churches send their people out on missions. And what those people do is they act like white people. They act like what they think Christians should act like. And with all of that, they then try to turn the natives, quote, into civilized beings that will act like them. That's not the kind of mission I'm talking about. Some of us are on missions where we don't live in the Santa Cruz community or Venice, California, and we're not with all the groovy people. We live among... Uh, Trump people, we live um, among um, fundamentalist Christians, we live among a lot of alcoholism, etc. And yet we know we were suppo- we're supposed to be there, so to speak. Tried to leave, can't leave, there's nowhere else to go. Kind of like, hmm, here I am. Okay, uh, hmm, what do I do with this? To me, I consider that being on a mission, meaning fairly isolated in the community that one lives in. It might be your workplace that this is true, like you're a dentist, and while your personal life has a lot of spiritual people, etc., in the dentist community, not so much. It might be any job that you have. It might be that your job is cool, but your family isn't. So when you come home, all your spiritual stuff gets put on the side, ignored, hidden, not discussed, etc. There's nothing wrong with these splits. And only if you 
live in a religious community or a cult, do you usually have all of that lined up? In other words, you only hang out with your own people. And I'm not so sure how healthy that is because that can get pretty ingrown and a little cuckoo at times. But um, being exposed to lots of different kinds of people and different kinds of thinking, it challenges you to look at your beliefs and look at your behaviors and it also makes you really strong because what you're holding on to you're not holding on to it to impress a spiritual leader or a church you're just hanging on to it period you're just hanging on to it because you love it even though you're in a big minority making partitions and then what about if you've been placed there by spirit to wake people up? This is a really tricky area because there's a lot of ego can be with this. Like, I am meant to wake these people up at the hospital. It's like, really? They hate you. <laughs> Listen to you and they think you're a psycho and you're going to lose your job. You know, that can be one reality that's going on. So how do you know? I've told the story which people have heard about my sister who is very um, different than me, very sort of like suburban, Neiman Marcus, shopper, lots of money, very conservative in her own way. And I used to talk to her about spiritual things because we were family and uh, she would get very nervous and sometimes say that she thought I had mental illness. And when she said that, you know, she was a psychologist, I would tell her, I, you know, I had looked into that and it wasn't true as far as I could tell. And if she was going to keep talking that way, I wasn't going to talk to her anymore about stuff like that. We just chit chat. So bless her heart. Um, she stopped talking about that stuff, which was pretty amazing. And years later, and I mean like 10 years later, she had a spiritual awakening and it, I was the person that she called when this happened and I know it was because of all the conversations that I dared to have with her but I have to say I wasn't um I didn't at the time when I was talking to her go oh I'm guided to do this and I am her spiritual leader and you know all this cool stuff's going to happen in the future no it wasn't like that at all it was simply I couldn't stop talking to her I just couldn't and I couldn't stop sharing bits and pieces of myself with her, despite the fear that I might lose her relationship. And that goes back to my particular form of guidance, which is relatively obscure as opposed to getting, you know, super clear messages from some guide or getting a vision or anything like that. I, I have to go a lot on faith. So it might be that while you're at parties, while people are drinking, because you can still tolerate that, your energy system isn't that sensitive yet that it gets badly affected by drunk people, um, you might find yourself occasionally saying something that you think, God, that was, that was a weird, you know, weird to say that to that person. That's the kind of stuff I would trust. And 
take a see what happens approach. And if it backfires, you can always never do it again. And you don't know what seed you might be planting. So while you're partitioning, it's not all about secrecy and, and self-care only. It's also about that you might be being called upon to be a secret agent. You just don't know it yet. How do you know? Well, with this work that I do, my path, my teacher, everything is <clears throat> kind of a crapshoot, meaning you don't really get to know because then that's a giant ego trip. You get to find out. You get to take a chance and try things out and see if saying something brings about a good result or it causes problems. And you get to find out if you can expand your partition. In other words, can my dinner people become spiritual friends? Can my spiritual friends become dinner people? And very, very slowly that starts to take shape for you. Very slowly. Mistakes will be made, embarrassing situations will happen, friends will be lost, etc. Here's the other thing about partitioning. You want to help people. You can't just hang out with the groovy people. They're already doing their groovy thing, and they probably don't want your help. People say, I want to help people. Great. You want to hang out with murderers? I've done that. You want to hang out with crazy homeless people? I've done that. You want to hang out with right-wing Christians? I do that. <laughs> you want to hang out with Mormons and ex-Mormons? How do you do that? You can't just make this stuff up at the last minute. There has to be, um, I want to say, some practice. There has to be some expertise. How do you do that? You can't do it with a puppet. You have to do it with real people. You want to help people with their parents and conversations with their parents. Have you had conversations with your parents? Have you handled that? Do you have skill in that? One of the reasons we have so many crappy psychologists around is a lot of them have gone to school and not done any work on themselves. So the advice they're giving you they haven't necessarily done it themselves. And my question would be then, how, how specific can they get giving advice? In other words, advice is generic until you yourself have some experience with it. If you talk to someone about stopping drinking and you've never struggled with drinking, how good is your advice? I, I don't have an answer for that. I have a question about that because some people are extremely knowledgeable and supportive and somehow seem to have a natural talent and maybe they've been called to be a teacher so they actually you know do have a natural ability around that and lots of people don't but I find the majority of people 
who um, have not practiced what they preach, uh, their advice is a little bit magical thinking and usually pretty off base for me. So partitioning and spreading yourself out. I have music friends. I have art friends. I have uh, go to the ballet friends. I have roller skating friends. I have my dinner friends. I go to church. I have church friends. That all of that will build into you a level of experience that you might not otherwise have by simply constantly wanting to hang out with who you think are the cool people, the groovy people, the spiritual people. So I like partitioning is what I'm trying to say. I think it's a really good skill set. And um, I think it helps you grow. I think it challenges you, teaches you to hang on to your center when you're not around people who are ooing and eyeing over you because you talk to the planet serious, but uh, because they like you for other reasons. It also keeps you really humble. You hang around with certain groups, they think you're an idiot. I hang around with a lot of people who think I'm just like a moron. And um, I do that a lot on purpose because I don't want to be challenged or I don't want to be in a spotlight or I just don't want to get in trouble. Uh, sometimes people have giant egos and they want to be the big teacher, so I'm fine with that. I teach for a living. I don't want to be a teacher all the time. So it is very humbling, and it also teaches you what it feels like when someone acts shitty towards you. Another great thing to learn. <laughs> How does that feel when people treat you like a moron? So that maybe you won't treat other people so much like a moron because you've had a taste of it and you're like, oh, this really sucks. <laughs> this isn't right. I shouldn't do this. Um, it also allows you that while you're growing, that you have a life, you know, it's kind of like sometimes people get involved with the path here and they're just waiting for their life to start, you know, because their life that they think is going to start is, I'm going to be a psychic, I'm going to be a healer, and then everything's going to be okay. No, it's not. Psychics, healers, etc., you still have to have friends, you have to have a lover, you have to have family, and doesn't mean that any of that is going to flow once you become a healer. In fact, it'll probably go south once you become a healer. So while you're waiting for your life to start, so to speak, get a life. You'll do things that you like and that you can tolerate. And you'll learn. You'll learn what it's like uh, to be a drinker while you're on a spiritual path and whether that interferes with you or not. You'll learn what it's like to um, feel what it's like to have people lie to you all the time because that's the normal sort of social protocol is lying and people do that to each other and it's considered rude in some places where people lie a lot like out here where i live to ask too many questions and people are like well what are you asking all these questions for whoa uh because i wanted to learn something <laughs> nope not a good idea you will also be able to have fun 
sometimes spiritual people are just like gruesomely serious and um the other side of that is a lot of spiritual people are alcoholics and drug users too and they don't know how to have fun they know how to be high and they call that having fun because that's all they know how to do right now and that's you know quite different than just having fun so hanging around with non-spiritual people can also keep you very balanced in the fun area where you learn to hang out with people who like to hike or they like to cook or they like to walk their dog, etc. Partitioning is also a skill that we use sometimes when it comes to having heavy conversations with someone, meaning I can't have this conversation with my mate, my spouse, whatever, right now. It's not a good time. So the partitioning that goes on is I'm going to put this to the side for now until the timing feels right and I can have the conversation. Now, like everything, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. So partitioning can also be used to avoid your work, deflect, distract, and manipulate other people. I'm telling you all the good sides of what I call partitioning, but everything can be misused. Everything. One of the things I find with energy sensitive people is really hard to not overshare. It's also really hard to not be hyper reactive, at least internally. In other words, you might be very good at hiding it, but inside, you freak out a lot. Um, my tolerance for being around drunk people is, is still, after all these years, really low. My ability to hang around muggles uh, at a party or a social event is, is way high compared to how it used to be. It used to be like about a five-minute limit, and really, seriously. And I'd take my car to every event so that I had a way to leave and warn good friends, I might leave in five minutes, don't take it personally, and, you know, I just couldn't stay. Now I can. My tolerance for non-organic food has gotten way higher, and I can use my little magic stuff to purify the food, and my body can tolerate it. Um, Not all the time, but a lot of the time. So this other part of this partitioning is it teaches you to tolerate the things that hypersensitive, hypervigilant, which is wounded people, um, tend to have a hard time tolerating. And you can do it in doses because you go, this isn't my best friend. This is my best movie friend. This is my best uh, take a drive on Sunday friend. This is my best shopping friend. And because you know that, you can feel a little bit more relaxed about setting boundaries, which is, yes, I'd love to go shopping with you for two hours on Monday (laughs) instead of the whole weekend of swap meets and flea markets and yard sales. Partitioning is a kind of boundary, and it is... Therefore, flexible, time-limited boundaries are always changing. 
some boundaries not, but many, many boundaries are changing as your tolerance grows, your age changes, your preferences, and what you're willing to do and not do, etc. Partitioning can also be used literally to educate yourself for a couple of years. I worked in Hollywood with extremely wealthy producers, movie makers, actors, etc. And I had a big prejudice against that crowd. And working there, I literally had to have someone, um, she allowed me to shadow her to learn small talk and schmoozing because I sucked at it, couldn't do it. She also taught me how to put on makeup. I was like 35. She also taught me how to dress cute, girl cute at 35 or 38, whatever it was, um, because that wasn't me at all. And I loved learning those skills. I wasn't like, oh my God, I have to do this. It's like, whoa, I've never done this. And then also, how could I work helping rich people if I'd never hung around the very, very rich crowd? And been exposed to their problems, their thinking, their life, which is completely different than ghetto folks that I was more involved with most of my life. So you can also choose to expose yourself to certain kinds of people. When I first moved out here, I also went to AA meetings because there were so many alcoholics out here. Um, and Al-Anon meetings, because there's so many spouses and kids of alcoholics. And I just didn't know enough about alcoholism. I mean, I yes, I'd read a lot about it. I knew a lot about it um, academically, but I had not been around a predominantly alcoholic crowd that did not call itself alcoholic. And then on Sunday after church, I'd have to be careful about taking my horses on the street because everybody was drunk after church. I guess they felt so bad going there and hearing about good and knowing that they weren't doing it, they would get drunk after church. So I attended those meetings for about a year or two to get exposure and, and hear the conversations and, and understand the thinking, the humor, everything. It, it's not just about drinking. It's about all the other stuff that goes with it. So you can use this idea of partitioning to also self-educate. Choose your time. Think of an exit time. Be careful about how much you share with people that are partitioned. There are students that I hang out with, and I definitely do not talk to them about a lot of things that are far beyond their capacity at the moment, not to mention age difference. Just like a parent, you know, parents say, I would never talk to my kids about this right now it's like yeah exactly correct it also does teach you about diplomacy and tact though i'm not great at that better than i used to be because you learn to speak to different groups of people about different things and that different groups of people have different timings and tolerances and different levels of forgiveness so you learn that by being around other people so for those of you, you know, you want to be healers and teachers and you want to make a difference in the world, you have to be able to get along with lots of different kinds of people under lots of different kinds of circumstances. And you don't do that by just hanging out in your church or hanging out with your groovy new age friends or yoga friends. 
that might be your group that you go to for sustenance or a group where you go to get validated or a group where you go and you can let all your crappy stuff hang out so you can heal, etc. But if you just hang out there, you're going to extremely limit your capabilities of being able to reach out to different kinds of people. Also, you're going to limit your ability to have a lot of fun because going out in the world and having fun, there's lots of muggles there. You want to go swim with the whales, you're swimming with muggles. You want to go on a dive trip, you're going with people who drink a lot. Divers seem to drink a lot. Can you handle it? So have fun with it. It doesn't have to be torture. This could be like fun homework assignment. Think about it that way. I hope this helps. Hope to see you at Life Path.